0: Well, good morning, Cedarville Church, and all of you others who are watching from other churches where your services have been canceled. We welcome you this morning to Bedside Baptist Church, <laughs> replete with snowy vistas and blizzard conditions perhaps just outside your window. You can watch church today in your pajamas. We welcome you. Pastor Pat is out in California preaching today. Hmm, I wonder if he knew something that we did not. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Kurt and I'm the counseling pastor here at Sadieville Church. It's my privilege to minister to people who come to me with a variety of life issues. But I would suggest to you that the number one and the number two issues that are brought to me are, first of all, marital discord, and number two, anxiety and or worry. As we learned last week, to worry, to be anxious, means to have your mind pulled apart by thoughts that disrupt the soul, that cause great agony deep inside your spirit. Worry is driven by thoughts. And so as I begin here today, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, what's been dominating your thought life recently, other than the snow and the weather? I want you to try to identify that, because it will help you to apply this message to you today. Experts tell us that we think as many as 70,000 thoughts a day. Wow! Wow! That means we're thinking perhaps 3000 thoughts per hour or as many as 50 thoughts per minute, which means you have likely had several thoughts even since I began this message just a moment ago. You, my friends, are a thinking machine. (laughs) Today, my objective is to try to collect your thoughts and then connect your thoughts to God's. Really, that's the goal of biblical preaching, to get you to think God's thoughts after him. Our creator is the ultimate thinker and the ultimate communicator. He uses the currency of words, and he has codified those words in a book we call the Bible. And we as gospel preachers, Bible preachers and pastors, we communicate God's thoughts to you through his word. And God's word tells us that he never stops thinking about us. How comforting is that? David said, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And as David thought about God's thoughts and and then he thought about his own thoughts, he could not help but pray, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked, any grievous, any anxious way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Today's text is all about your thought life. So if you have your Bible there at home, I'm gonna ask you to turn to Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. We'll also put the words of scripture on the screen for you. Here is what Paul said to the church at Philippi, to the believers there, the church having started in Acts chapter 16. Finally, brothers, he's gonna conclude his comments about anxiety. He is going to, if you will, talk more in this worried context about how to handle it. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, meditate. Ponder on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I.e., follow me, Paul said, as I follow Christ. If you want a simple outline for today, I submit something very simple to you to overcome worry. First of all, you have to think the right thoughts, verse eight. And secondly, you have to follow the example of others who think the right thoughts, verse nine. Remember, our verses for today are in a context of thinking. We're talking about a thinking emphasis. If you go back just to verse two in this chapter, we find a discovery of two ladies. Let me read for you what it says, I I entreat, I plead with you, Oodia, and I entreat you or plead with you, Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Two ladies in this early church were at odds with each other. In context, they were likely friends whose tiff was driven by worry over what the other one was thinking about them. In my estimation, women tend to worry more about what other women think about them, and Men tend to worry about more what other men are thinking about them. So Paul urged these ladies to agree in the Lord. The word agree is translated be of the same mind or live in harmony with in other translations. And the original word for agree in verb form from verse two is phroneo, and refers to controlling the thoughts of the mind, and it harkens back to the illustration, the classic illustration the apostle used in chapter two in what theologians call the kenosis passage, the self-emptying of the Son of God, who being in the form of God, did not consider it a prize that he had to hang on to. But Jesus emptied himself externally, the outward appearance of deity. He laid it aside, the Bible says, and he took on the form of a man. And he humbled himself to death. And not just any death, but he became obedient to the death of the cross, a criminal's death. And Paul says, consider the example of Jesus As you involve yourself with others in the family of God, humble yourself the way Jesus humbled himself. Now, as we return to chapter four, we studied last week about how to address worry, how to deal with anxiety. Simple outline I learned long ago looks like this. It's kind of an equation for reaching peace. Here it is. Praise, verse four, plus poise, verse five, plus prayer, verse six, equals peace. Think about that beloved passage. Pastor Pat talked about it last week. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, verse four. That's praise. And then he says, let your reasonableness, your gentleness, your moderation be made known to all men because the Lord is at hand. That's verse five. And then in verse 6, he says, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, which means to ask God for what you need, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And here's the promise. Here's the equation. That equals the peace of God. This sweet tranquility of heaven that superintends you, that guards your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, that calms the troubled waters of your soul when you are in tribulation. You have a peace that surpasses human understanding. Now today, in verses eight and nine, we're examining how to think that way by means of monitoring our thoughts. I submit to you, it's really important to hang around people who think the right way and follow their example. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. My dad was a great example to me as one who thought about and talked about the scriptures. I think a lot about my dad, if I'm honest with you, my mom as well. In my devotions this morning before I came, I actually told the Lord, I said, Father, would you tell dad and mom that I love them? They're up there in the glory land. And would you tell dad I'm preaching about him today? Because I love my dad very much. And I still remember when I was just a little boy on the farm, learning a verse together as we erected a fence out in the field. You have to understand that on the farm, Dad had a conviction of going out into the alfalfa field and building a woven wire fence, and we would take our sows out there to ferrow our piglets. I guess you'd call it open-range pig-raising, organic before organic was in. And while we were putting the fence up, Dad said to me, Hey, Kurt, let's, let's memorize a verse together. Whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and and full of glory. A reference to the unseen Christ, 1 Peter 1.8. I'll never forget that verse. It was 11 years ago now at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in George, Iowa, that I was privileged to preach my dad's homegoing sermon. And ironically, this is so ironic, I chose as my funeral text the text from our passage for today, in particular, Philippians 4:9. Let me just remind you again what it says. I think of Dad here, when you have learned or what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. A Few days before the funeral after Dad had passed, Mom and I were driving to the church to visit with the pastor, Brian Anderson, to make arrangements for the service. But we were stopped just east of Rock Valley on Highway 18 for road construction. And suddenly, while I I sat there, I saw an illustration of my dad. You see, travel was restricted to one lane at a time, and so we were only allowed to proceed when led by a pilot car. Uh, You've seen them. The sign above the car or the pickup simply instructs, pilot car, follow me. That that struck me. Uh, Not the car, the thought. I explained the illustration to those who gathered for dad's funeral. I said, you know folks, that car, that pilot car pictures my dad and you may think it's hard for me to speak today at this funeral, my own daddy's homegoing service, and in a sense it is because I did love him dearly. But in another sense, dad's life preaches his own funeral sermon because he, he lived what he believed. His life quietly replicated a pilot car and invited all who watched, follow me, do as I do. And that's just the point of Philippians 4, verse 9. Follow people who walk and talk and think the right way. And conversely, avoid people who lead you astray, like the guy driving this pilot car. (laughs) A little humor for you. Watch out for negative thinkers and talkers who will drive you into the ditch or drop you into the drink. So today, I want to provide for you a a filter to help you stay strong and you to be an example to others like Dad was to me. The point is we need to screen our thoughts, all 70,000 of them every day. So so how do we do that? Well, let me take you to a classic passage that helps explain. This is 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Paul writing to the believers at Corinth, For though we believers walk in the flesh, we, Christians, are not waging war according to the flesh. We're in earthly bodies, but we don't war in earthly means. For the weapons of our warfare as believers are not of the flesh. They're not guns and bombs. But our weapons have divine power to destroy strongholds. What are those weapons? They are the word of God and prayer. They are the sanctifying influence of God's people. We destroy, verse 5, arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Now watch this, key to our message, and take every thought captive to the obedience or to obey Christ Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let me illustrate the imagery that Paul employs here. You're going to see a picture of the Lion's Gate. This is on the eastern wall in Jerusalem. The Lion's Gate is just north of the eastern gate or the Golden Gate, through which many people believe Jesus will return someday. It was through this very Lion's Gate, this was the spot where Israeli paratroopers entered the city of Jerusalem in the Six-Day War in 1967. And from this starting point, the city was delivered from alien occupation. It's been in the hands of Israel ever since. In a similar way, picturing our minds as a wall and as a city, We must deliver our minds from alien occupation by unhealthy thoughts. When we start to slip into anxiety, we need to grab those thoughts. As they slip out of our minds, those those thought clouds that reach above us, and we start to find ourselves sinking, we need to grab those thoughts and examine them. We must have self-awareness. Is that a good thought or is that a bad thought? Obviously we have to throw out the bad thought, and we have to replace it with a good thought, and a good thought must be a God thought. Your mind never stops thinking, and even when you sleep, it never stops thinking. So it's critical that we input the right thoughts. The biblical idea from Ephesians chapter four is that we put off the old man, the old thoughts, And we rather put on the new man with the good thoughts which created after Christ Jesus and true righteousness and holiness. It is what we commonly call the principle of replacement. Frankly, it's, it's like tending a garden. You know, a garden doesn't plant itself. You have to purposely and intentionally plant flower seeds or vegetable seeds And then you must purposely work at keeping the weeds out by culling them through cultivation. I mentioned I grew up on a farm. Maybe some of you can relate. You grew up on a farm, and if you're of my generation, perhaps you manually drove a cultivator through the cornfield or through the bean field. And yeah, that's the color of the kind of machinery we had, the red color. Dad was into International Harvester Farm All, And I drove a cultivator that was a a 560 tractor with a four row cultivator, not very high tech admittedly. Before the days of GPS where it seems like the tractors drive themselves, I had to concentrate as I cultivated, otherwise I would end up plowing up the corn. It required a lot of concentration. And some of you maybe when you were kids earned some extra money by walking beans and pulling out volunteer corn stalks or maybe pulling out other kinds of weeds. Uh, Today, of course, much of that is taken out by herbicides. But my point is that questionable and evil thoughts have to be replaced by the right kind of thoughts. And that's why it's so important to have intake of the scriptures daily the discipline of daily putting into your mind and your soul the word of God. These kind of God thoughts are explained for us in verse eight and in his study Bible John MacArthur gives us descriptions of the first six of these words. Look at them with me. We are to think thoughts that first of all are true. MacArthur says that refers to the character of God. God is true. God cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. The word honorable, think thoughts that are worthy of respect or worthy of awe. The word just refers to thoughts that are righteous. Pure, thoughts that are morally clean and and undefiled. Thoughts that are lovely, meaning pleasing, kind, gracious, As we used to say, before you talk, always ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? That's the same kind of idea here for lovely. And then finally, the word commendable, that which is highly regarded. In his book, Explaining Biblical Strategies for Overcoming Anxiety, Phil Mosier uses the Philippians 4, 8 stop sign to help people visually stop before they dwell on a thought. I want you to look at this diagram. Verse eight is God's filter for the mind. Examine your thoughts in light of these words. Stop and think, does the filter apply to what I'm thinking? For example, as you look at the first two words, you could ask these types of questions for the word true. You could say, you know, I'm doubting God right now. I'm wondering where he is. The question, is it really in the character of God to forget about me? Has he he lost track of me? No, my friends, God is too good to be unkind and he's too wise to make a mistake. For the word honorable, you could ask yourself the question, do my fearful thoughts honor God, or am I acting like a practical atheist? Karen and I have a godly friend named Sharon who uses a rather simple mind visual when she's tempted to worry. When several thoughts start to jumble Sharon's brain, she mentally bundles them up into a rubber ball, and she figuratively bounces them up to Jesus. I love that. She prays, Lord, I don't want to stress over these concerns, so I'm bouncing them up to you. And she says so many times to us, for this I have Jesus, and so do you, my Christ-following friend. She releases thinking about these burdens because she's practicing Philippians 4 6. What does it say again? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything and bounce the burdens to Jesus. Another believing friend named Mary Lou, who recently died of pancreatic cancer, was told by her doctors shortly before her death that she had not more than six weeks left to live. Mary Lou turned very sweetly to the doctor and simply said, Doctor, six weeks, six days, it really doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. She was at peace and Mary Lou died at peace. I wonder, can, can you say that about yourself? Are you at peace? Do you know where you're going when you die? Only those who have a personal relationship with Jesus can know that. The key to knowing where we're going and the key to overcoming worry is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's knowing the Savior in your hearts, Not just in your head. The Lord, David said, is my shepherd. There's the personal nature. Is he your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, i.e., I have everything that I need. Last fall, our pastoral staff traveled to Aldora, Iowa, to visit our missionary, Chad Fincham, who serves as chaplain at the Iowa State Training School for Boys. He's joined there by Brad Hillebrand, whose parents, Mark and Carol, and sister Kelsey Zanting are are part of our church. Chad had had us pastors do some role-playing while we were there. We each became an inmate, and we were assigned a crime that was written on our name tag. Here was the crime assigned to me. Murder. Gulp. We had to number off and walk in line silently, and then, and then we all were escorted to a mothballed facility and locked up in a unit that had previously been used for solitary confinement, each one of us in our own room. Uh, this this uh, building was uh, <laughs> less than desirable, shall we say. Paint peeling off the walls, not much for furniture, But when I got into my room, what really grabbed me, what really got to me was this. Right there in the center of my room, etched into the metal bedstead, were scratched my initials, C, D. Not by design, obviously, but by chance. It shocked me. Long ago, apparently, some young criminal was in that very room, with my initials, it was sobering to think about, and the point was not lost on me. There was a time, figuratively speaking, when I was locked in that room spiritually, and I deserved there, because like you, I am a sinner by nature and by choice. And the Bible says that there is a penalty affixed to sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty-three and I was on death row, but bless God, there was another day when like another cross or a criminal hanging on a cross, I looked to Jesus, and I said to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, i.e., I believe that you're dying for me, not for your own sin, but as a substitute for me, and I trusted him. I believe that he died on my behalf, and rose again, but back to my jail cell. In those moments alone, uh, none of us in our incarceration was allowed to talk. We were left to our own thoughts. Finally, the silence was broken. I heard the other staff men being released and numbering off so they could walk out, but I was still in my jail cell. And momentarily, even though I knew better, I panicked in my thoughts. Hey, don't forget me! If I'm honest, even though I'm a Christian and even though I'm a pastor, there are far too many times when I still give place to anxious thoughts, especially when I'm going through a trial, especially when I'm struggling with insecurity, and yeah, pastors struggle with insecurity too, especially when I sin against my heavenly father, my savior, sin against the spirit, when I sin against my wife or my children, when I sin against my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I begin to stress and worry and entertain anxious thoughts, and I return to performance-based acceptance. You know, God will only love me when I behave perfectly, and I mistakenly believe that his love is conditional. It is not. And here's where I have to think God's thoughts after him. You see, in God's jurisprudent system, watch this, the verdict comes before the performance praise God, that verdict in Christ is not guilty or better, justified, declared righteous in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we believe that, the prison door swings open and we walk out freed from our sin and our guilt and our worry. When we left Eldora. I accidentally wore my name tag when I went out to eat. <laughs> I caught myself, however, just in time before anybody could see it. But I still internally started distressed. <gasps> what if somebody had seen that? What would they think of me? Isn't that the way we fretting believers tend to think about ourselves when we worry? We live by what ifs, which are not based on fact. as my friend, Pastor Paul says, we can't live by what if, but by what is, i.e. what God says is true. That's good. Write that down and commit it to memory. Not by what if, but by what is, what God says is true. Now, listen to me. Christ father, listen to me really good. You are not who sin says you are. You are not who others say you are. You're not even who you say you are. You are who God says you are. Behold, with manner of love, The Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even of anxious thoughts, even as he is pure." So my struggling friend, I beg of you, reject those screaming, those lying emotions that are scaring you to death. Throw them off from the wall of your mind. Take them captivity and speak God's truth to yourself. The Apostle Paul put it so wonderfully and so succinctly in Philippians 3 verse 15, look at this. Let those who are mature think this way. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Even there in your homes, I'm asking you genuinely, lay aside the distractions for a moment, and bow your heads, please, as God speaks to your heart. This is something of an invitation for you especially those of you who are really stressing out, you're struggling with anxiety, you're being pulled apart on the inside through whatever circumstances seemingly have fallen on your head. I want you to just bow your head right now and I want you to give your burdens, your anxious thoughts to Jesus. Remember last week, Pastor Pat, telling us what it means, supplication, asking like a little child, hands out, reaching, Lord, help me, help me. Would you in the quietness of your prayer right there as you sit there on your bed at your kitchen table in the living room, would you just with your eyes closed just reach your hands out, upturned toward your heavenly Father and would you just right now give him your burdens, your stresses, your anxieties? Would you with my friend Sharon just bounce them up to Jesus right now? Your head still bowed. I speak to those of you who are unbelievers, and I ask you what of your sins? I want you to know that you can be forgiven if you'll bounce your sins up to Jesus believing that he died to pay for them and rose again. Give them right now to Jesus and you'll be wonderfully born again. I'm gonna pause in prayer. I'm gonna give you a chance to bounce your burdens to bounce your sins to Jesus right now and experience the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. Would you do it? Do it right now in the quietness of this moment and then I will pray aloud. Lord, to all who've just cried out, help them to know that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Help everyone here to realize that when we gather those thoughts and bring them into accord with your word, then we agree with the Apostle Paul that we need not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, asking for what we need with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known unto you, and you promise us that sweet tranquility, the peace of God that surpasses human understanding, that guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you for giving us that peace, which is Christ right now, we pray in his name, amen. Thank you for watching this live stream broadcast today. If we can help you in any way, you can text the number that you're seeing on the screen. We're here to minister to your needs. Just so you know, we will be having services and all activities tonight that is back on for this evening. Thanks for watching this morning. God bless you. Have a great day.